Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of the Backyard Banter Podcast. My name is Matt Harmon. I am your host, as I am every time we get together here. Um, we have another great, great guest on tap for the 17th episode here. Um, but before I introduce my guest, I have to get something a little business out of the way last podcast i mentioned that i did not really have an incentive for you guys to rate and review the podcast on itunes other than uh offering you more great tweets and dog pictures i'm still offering those things of course they always come with uh, with dealing with me however um i can also now offer a free entry into the scott fishbowl for a lucky uh random winner uh, who reviews the who reviews the podcast on iTunes? So if you leave a good rating and a good review, and remember, I am pretty cheap, so pretty much just make me laugh or 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 uh, or really compliment me, and you might get picked. Uh, and if you don't know what the Scott Fishbowl is, it's a 480 team pro am fantasy football league that includes over 320 writers from different sites, different podcasters, analysts from places like NFL.com. Yeah, I'm in it. Uh, ESPN, Yahoo, Roto World, Football Guys, Pro Football Focus, and, and a lot of other places. Uh, you play with some of the best in the business. Uh, you get ultimate bragging rights. And there's also a lot of cool prizes. My my buddy Scott Fish from DynastyFootballLeague.com, uh, he puts it on every year. I've, I played in it last year. It's a lot of fun. So we're giving away a free entry to that to one lucky uh, random reviewer of the podcast on iTunes. So now I've got a little incentive. And with that out of the way, I can introduce tonight's guest. Uh, well, tonight, it could be today morning, whenever you're listening to the podcast. I'm joined by somebody that I have has always been near the top of my I want to have a beer with list from football Twitter. And that's Jeff Ridston's Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Ridston. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, Matt. Uh, it, it's a pleasure to be with you. And uh, I, I have to say, I've never heard of the prize before, but that sounds really, really massive and cool. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's a really fun league. Um, if you don't know Scott Fish, anybody that's listening to this, he's uh, he's one of the nicest guys on, on Twitter. He, he's uh, been around DLF for years and years. He does a, a really fun podcast with a couple other guys, the the Bull Rush podcast. He's, he's a nice dude, and he puts on this giant league, and it, it really is crazy. There's a lot of wild rules, like uh, it's a super flex league. You there's like 22 rounds, so yeah, it's it it gets pretty crazy. Um, but we'll talk more about that with whoever gets to win the lucky prize but jeff we're here tonight to talk about you um so uh -oh. I, I, yeah. <laughs> who knows where Cheers. that could go um, <laughs> so jeff i always ask uh to start off the podcast uh every guest how did you how did you come to fall in love with the game of football oh geez it's been a long time coming uh i was born in northeast ohio uh which is you know cleveland area you're you're pretty much indoctrinated into it as a youngster Everything is about football. Um, my dad took me to my first Ohio State game when I was, I think, three weeks old. Uh, I was a wee one uh, and, you know, just was brought up all around football, uh, going to high school games, going to college games, watching the Browns, watching the Lions, watching a lot of losing football. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's been something that, you know, I, I, I don't ever remember life without it. I, I, my mom has a picture of me in pajamas uh, when I'm like one and a half and I, I've got a football and I'm wearing a football uniform pajamas. And this is in like 1973. So it's been been a long, long time. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. That is, it's a good thing you love football because you got to love football to watch those two franchises for um for a long time. 
It, uh, yeah, that's why my hair is my hairline's up here now. It used to be down here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as somebody that is is just counting down the days until my hair is starting to recede, that's uh, I, I can feel you on that. Um, well, if you if you don't know Jeff, I pro- probably should have said this up top, but uh, I'm constantly making mistakes on this podcast. Uh, Jeff, you're you're the lead NFL draft writer at RealGM.com. You're also an on-air personality at ESPN 961. So your focus is mostly on draft evaluation. You also write for Draft Breakdown, the site everybody knows. I really liked. Uh, I I mean, I wasn't totally down with with your conclusions on the player, but that that article about uh, Laquan Treadwell and Chipotle that was. It's pretty spectacular. If you if you haven't read that yet, if you're listening, please definitely check that out. Uh, so, Jeff, how did you get into the scouting part of what you do now? Uh, and it's just been something that I've always been interested in. Um, you know, in, in terms of football, I couldn't play um, when I was in high school. I was I was six foot three and 155 pounds. That's not very conducive for playing football. Um, so I, I always enjoyed being around it. And uh, fast forward a few years, I, I taught with a guy um, when I lived in another incarnation of myself as a teacher uh, mm-hmm. I talked with a guy who was uh, a former football player uh, he was a, the punter at army uh, was a high school teammate of Lawrence Taylor uh, and got me into officiating and scouting and you know we we just hung out together and watched football and you know he kind of broke things down a little bit and it was easy for me to see like what was going on and you know I, I I've always loved football I've never lost a passion for it so it just sort of you know transmutated into that and uh I did, did basketball scouting actually for Real GM. That was my entry into wow. them in writing. Uh, and uh, they wanted to expand to football. And they're like, well, hey, you, you know football, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, I kind of do. So we, we set out. And uh, the first year I did it for them was 2004. Uh, and it wasn't much more than, than wild mock draft guesses and evaluations off of, you know, broadcast feeds of like maybe 30 games. So my scope was really, really small. Uh, but I liked it, and I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed doing it, and I got a decent little response from from my immediate little circle of 25 people that read the, the stuff that I did, uh, and it kind of grew from there. And, and you know, over the years, I've gotten a lot of help from a lot of people and learned what I'm doing a little bit better, and uh, at least I hope I have. And uh, it, it's gone from there. It's this is this is my 13th draft, I think, and that's wow. it, it, it astounds me that I've been doing it that long. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. 13 years. Oh, man. 13 years ago, I was... Don't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was in sixth grade. Um, yeah, so that was a while ago. Wow. Uh, that's cool. That, but 13 years, That's a, it's great because a lot of people, I mean, for me, you know, people ask me all the time, like, well, how does this class of wide receivers compare to, you know, the last five years? I'm like, dude, five years ago, I was, you know, in college and I was not studying wide receivers. So oh, that's... <laughs> Doesn't, isn't that what every college student aspires to do is study wide receivers and, and come up with cool formulas like you did? If you if you would have told me five years ago, um, you know, like a junior or sophomore in college, whatever, that I would be doing what I'm doing now, I probably would have slapped you. I would have never. No, this was not what I imagined myself doing. But that's life. And uh, that's funny that I want to kind of circle back to one of the points that you uh, that you made there about. Like you started off doing basketball and and sometimes you have to do things that you might not necessarily be your your first choice in order to get your foot in the door. No, absolutely. Uh, and, and it's not that I didn't like basketball. I, you know, I, I've played basketball my whole life. I, I still play two or three times a week. Uh, and, you know, I, I had done that. My in fact, my X's and O's background in basketball was much stronger than in football mm. just because I had played that a lot more. 
And, you know, when you, when you have that experience, it's like, oh, the, you know, I, I understand the flow of the game a little bit better. I, don't have, I didn't have to, like, learn the positional intricacies of, of, like, hand placement for offensive linemen or, you know, one, two steps on, on defensive tackles. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a way to, you know, get a foot in a door, and that's, that's what everybody's looking for. Uh, you got to do some weird things sometimes. Uh, I, I remember uh, I, I, did, I actually did that in college. I, I, I was really enamored for some reason with the class that had uh, like Rashid Wallace in it. Uh, this is back before the internet was the internet and we were just talking on like message boards uh, and posting and, and I, I made a bold statement about Rashid Wallace and all I could ever do was dunk. Uh, and it, it kind of snowballed from there that I, you know, okay, well, I probably need to get better at doing this. So I, I really poured myself into that and, uh, you know, did a lot of basketball and, and, you know, football was something, you know, I watched on Saturdays and Sundays, but, you know, kind of fell away for a little bit. Uh, but, you know, then, then it was just like, I don't know, I, I missed it, you know, and not being in it. Um, I lived in Richmond, Virginia at the time, and that's kind of not an NFL city. Um, yeah, that's my that's like my neck of the woods yeah yeah and and Rich. you know yeah there you go uh and it was like you know I, I didn't like washington and i wasn't a panthers fan and i couldn't watch the lions and and you know the steelers were on quite a bit but i never really liked the steelers because i'm from cleveland you just don't like the steelers so it was like it, it kind of faded away and then i moved to michigan uh back in 2000 2003 yeah 2003 we moved to michigan uh, the west side of the state, and then that's like the football mecca. Because now I'm like, I'm across the water from Green Bay. I'm three hours from Chicago. I'm three hours from Detroit. I'm three hours from Indianapolis. It's like the hub of anywhere you want to be in football. And it's, you know, ever since then, it's been like all football for me. Yeah, that's awesome. It's funny, like those areas of the country, like are, are more inundated with it than others. Like, and obviously, this is a huge topic of conversation now with with the Rams being out here, like. I could tell you, even just being here for, uh, you know, several months that I have, I could tell you that this is not that type, you know, this is not that type of town. Um, so yeah. good, good luck to the Rams. Hopefully that quarterback works out for them. Um, and maybe, they'll get, maybe they'll get a little more attention here. But. I wouldn't hold my breath on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're not here tonight to, to talk about the Rams trade because you can hear that anywhere else. <laughs> um, so, Jeff, talk a little bit about like some of your early days as an evaluator uh, what were some, like and, you know kind of learning on the job what are some things that that really helped you out in the transition uh one of the things that i learned very early was that college production doesn't necessarily equate to nfl greatness mm-hmm. uh and and that's something that i think a lot of fans sort of have a disconnect with uh and and i'm trying to think of a good example of it and, and i'm going back to like uh, there was a lot of players that I really liked who were, you know, like good college players and I thought they would make good pros and they didn't. Uh, and, and one of the turning points for me was, was um, this is stupid because he's like a, a nondescript thing. Lima Swede was actually a guy that I, that's sort of like where everything clicked for me. I'm like, okay, I know that guy's a good college player, but I also understand he's not going to be any good in the pros. I like knew it. And, and for whatever it was, you know, that gave me confidence in it. And I started to just, you know, see things and, like this is before Twitter again. So I would go on message boards and, and, you know, I would see people here and there, but not very frequently. So I would try to do whatever I could to, to learn from people who played the game. So I, I knew more of what I was watching. Um, and I had done some officiating. So I, I, I knew, you know, like what to look for on like defensive line, and offensive line for holding and, and that kind of stuff. But it, it, it was more of just figuring out where I was being wrong. And, and for whatever reason, Lima Sweet was my touchstone on that. It's stupid because he's this 
totally forgettable receiver, but uh, you know, that's, it, it, it's funny the way that works sometimes. I do feel like Swede was kind of supposed to be that big receiver for the Steelers. Though I remember just as like a fan hearing that when casual draft analysis all the time, it was like, this guy could be their big touchdown scorer. Well, didn't happen. No, um, it didn't. And, and it's funny because, you know, last year they had Sammy Coates and I'm, and I said at the time, why are they drafting Lima Sweet 2.0? And mm. they, they have a type. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's the, that's something that comes with like that, that years of experience. Like you mentioned, you can make that kind of illusion. Like maybe this team is, is, is a little predisposed to making this mistake. Yeah, um, they do speaking, that. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of mistakes, Jeff, we mentioned like things you've learned. What's like, what was, can you pinpoint like any mistakes that you think you made along the way? Like, especially like maybe at the beginning. Uh, I, I was definitely in, overly enamored with yardage um, in for quarterbacks and, and touchdowns for receivers, um, which is something that, you know, you, you have done very well with um, just learning, you know, that, that to go beyond the box score uh, and, and also to take your eyes off the ball um, you know, the DVR was a great invention because, you know, you didn't have to keep rewinding the tape over and over again. You could just go back and forth and, and watch the same play over again. And you could watch like, okay, well, I'll watch the right tackle this time I watch it. And next time I'll watch the center. And next time I'll watch the tight end and see what his release looks like and things like that. And it was just, you know, figuring out that, God, I, I, I think back to when I was, when I was first like evaluating players, I'm like, God, I, I can't believe I was so wrong so often. You know, it, it's crazy that they, they kept me on and actually, you know, kept paying me to do this because I, I wasn't that good at it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm someone, I, I'm a big believer in learning from your mistakes. That's how I learn uh, sort of that, you know, okay, don't touch this hot stove because you have to, I have to touch it first. Uh, that's me. Uh, so I, I touched the hot stove quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I figured it out. My hands got pretty tough now. And I, I like to think I know somewhat of what I'm doing now. Well, I like I like your stuff. I, I like your work. Thank you. So <laughs> whatever that whatever that means. There seems to be an audience out there for what I'm peddling. So that's all. Yeah, that's all that you're looking for. You're just looking for somebody to to believe in your in your bullshit. Not that you know we're all spinning bullshit. So that's really all it Especially is. Especially this time of year. <laughs> oh God, yeah. It's um. I just before we came on here, I saw something about like someone said uh, Jeff Driscoll is going to be a better quarterback than uh, Connor Cook or something like that. And it's like, oh boy, it's that, it's that time of year. We're, we're in, we're in a week, you know, we're in a week left of the draft less than almost at this point. Yeah. Uh, we'll be started a week from the, a week from when we're recording this. And uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's time to get those takes in. <laughs> um, it's, it's crazy. How do you actually, that's a, that's kind of a funny question. How do you like, how do you navigate that as an evaluator? Like the, the, the sort of noise from the outside versus your own opinion. Cause I think that's something that people struggle with. And maybe a little bit of that is like, and that's kind of a, a two-sided question, like outside noise from craziness, like anonymous scouts and this sort of stuff. And also outside noise in, in the terms of like group think. Yeah. It, it's one of the things where I will do my evaluations first and I won't look at anybody else's while I'm doing it. But after I'm done, um, I'll, I'll look around and see if I'm like swimming with the crowd or swimming up against it. And if I'm against it, I'm going to look and see why I see things differently. And I, I will try to see, like, like with Laquan Treadwell this year is a good example. I'm just not a big fan of his. I, I think he's going to be good. I don't think he's going to be great. And there's people out there that think he's going to be Calvin Johnson 2.0. I think that's ridiculous. But I, 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 there are people that I respect that have that opinion. So I'm going to look for that and see why am I not seeing it? You know, what, what is it that, 
do I have a bias here? You know, am I missing it? Am I watching the wrong games? That type of thing. And uh, so I always try to, you know, balance that out in the end. But, you know, I learned a long time ago, go down swinging with your own opinion. Don't go with somebody else's because uh, it's so much easier to, to go on your own. Um, this year, I'm like, I'm a huge Vernon Adams fan. I know he has some flaws. I know he's short. I, what I saw down at the Shrine game, I saw a guy, I've never seen a, a leader that organic ever in, in any all-star game. He, people were absolutely drawn him. It was, it was beyond what Tim Tebow was. Obviously, Tebow didn't work out. But the, the, his ability to, to just make plays and, and get everybody to believe in what he was doing so quickly, I mean, I, I know that will work in the NFL, and I hope he gets a chance. But, but there's a lot of people that I, that I really respect who do quarterbacks, you know, as their specialty. And they're like, yeah, he's terrible. He does no chance. And, and so I try to see that. But uh, I'm, if I'm going to go down on the island, man, it's going to be my own island. <laughs> yeah, I like that as a process, though, the idea of – because I think some people will go in, and especially like young evaluators or you know, not even necessarily young in age, but young in experience will, will mm-hmm. go into – will go into – to watching tape or, or studying a player, like wanting to prove their own, like I have an opinion people disagree with. I'm going to go into it looking for reasons to prove my opinion. But I think it's interesting the way you detailed is kind of like, I'm going to go in looking for things that disprove my opinion. And sometimes you come out of that realizing, no, I, I was right. Yeah. And that, that happens probably more often than not. I, I, I'm a big believer that in your, in trusting your instincts. Um, you know, there's a player, I, I just wrote a thing on not to, do the, the whole plug thing, but I just did a thing on Danzel McDaniel, a cornerback out of Kansas State. I really, really loved my first impression of him in 2014. He went out and played against Auburn, and he did very good against Sammy Coates, who comes up again, and, and Duke Williams. Uh, and other than one play in that game, Danzel McDaniel was the best player on the field. Well, he kind of faded away, and he got hurt this year, and he's sort of completely off the radar. Most people don't even know who he is anymore. And this is still a guy that I've never heard of him ever. So yeah, there you go. Uh, number, number seven in Kansas state. And I just did a thing for him on, on draft breakdown, um, comparing him to don't stop believing the journey song that, uh, you know, is sort of his mantra now. And, you know, it, there's a lot of people who are like, you're nuts on this, but I, I know what I saw and I'm going to believe in that. And I do kind of see where, where the criticisms are. They're not invalid, but I just, you know, you, you have to, you have to believe in what you're doing. Uh, and, and not get oversold on because there are players in the past. And I'll give the example of Brian Brom was a guy that I was lukewarm on. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I, yeah, he might be good. He might not be so good, but I wasn't like sold on him. And then, then I, this was like right after I, I got involved in, in getting into social media and talking to a lot more people in a lot more places. And everybody's like, Oh man, he's great. You know, like, like Ben Albright, I know has died on this Island and he was one of the first people that I, that I had made contact with and he kind of sold me on it and God, I look stupid for loving Brian Brom, but you know, that, like I died on Ben's Island and I, I've, I've chastised him for this in person and he's, he's good with it. We're good friends. Um, but so yeah, you, you have to understand what you're looking at, but also trust your own process and, and not get too worried if you're swimming against the stream because th- that's – somebody swam against the stream to get Russell Wilson. You know, somebody swam against the stream to get Tom Brady and give him a chance. And uh, that, that's what I look for. I, I just hope that the guys that, you know, that I like that are low, uh, you know, that, that most other people don't like, I hope they get the, the honest, fair chance to prove it because that, that's, that's the disappointing thing in, in falling in love with a guy like Danzel McDaniel. I don't know if he's going to get a shot or not. 
And that sort of makes it so I can't prove that, oh, yeah, I was right, man. I, I was first on him. You know, even though that's stupid, it, it, it's still nice. <laughs> right. It's, not, it's nice to be right. And it's kind of the inverse. Something that frustrates me, the inverse of a little bit of what you were saying. Like, I hate when – and this is more like for fantasy. Like, this year I remember there was one point where uh, I think it was – that big game that Isaiah Crowell had against the 49ers, like, well, his one big game probably ever. Um, he had his big game against the 49ers, and I had all, like, set him up in, in my head, like, set up to write him up as, like, a, a DFS, like, sleeper or whatever. And then I realized as I'm watching, I was like, oh, my God, I forgot to put him in the column. Like, that – and that's the – like – dying on someone else's hill and, and or forgetting to even promote your own like opinion it's it, that's that that can be very frustrating it really but, is uh, yeah that happens to me like like i do some radio now and and one of the things that i do is like i'm, I'm on it and i'm in the moment and then as soon as we get to break i'm like god i should have said that you know that it, it's oh yeah to, ugh, that's frustrating it's like when you talk to a girl too it's like the same thing i, I do that a lot i'm like man i should have said that that would have been great um now i just don't talk to girls anymore ever um <laughs> you need a wingman besides your dog <laughs> well that's, that should be the best wingman ever um, charlie can charlie can pull i'm sure he can unfortunately well, that's a little bit of a sensitive topic but uh yeah he he, <laughs> he struggles to close uh let's just put it that way <laughs> Or he struggles with the closing, um, but that's a story. <laughs> that's a story for another another podcast. Um, Definitely. Although this does have the explicit tag, so just be fair, fair warned, uh, iTunes listeners. Um, Jeff, we've talked a lot about you know your your methods as an evaluator, and there's a few more I want to. I I like picking your brain on this, and I think people will really um, value it because I, I think you're one of the better ones out there that I, that I know. So it's, it's, it's definitely a good resource, but I want to kind of get back to, you know, your story. Like how did you end up here, end up in, in with all these gigs and everything? Like, give me some of the major hitting points, like the turning points along the way. Uh, it, it was, you know, real GM has, has had a lot of faith in me. I have a great editor there, Chris Reyna, who uh, put up with when like my, my column, my readership was my immediate family and, and neighbors. Um, and, and they've built it and they've, you know, for, for people who don't know what real GM is, it's ostensibly a basketball site. It, it, at one point it was the largest independent sports site that wasn't affiliated with a, a league. Uh, the, the message board on it was huge. Uh, it's kind of gone different. We you know social media has sort of killed the whole message board scene, but they're still very big in basketball. Um, they have all kinds of products aside from just, you know, writing on basketball. Um, so it, it's, it's odd to say that I'm a football writer at a basketball site. Um, I like to think that we have a, I'm, I'm not the only football writer anymore, thankfully, and haven't been for a couple of years, which is nice. So that, that's growth. Um, and, and like I said, I've always been a Lions fan, um, even growing up in Cleveland, uh, which is sort of, you know, my curse. The, the one team that I chose, you know, like out of my own outside of Cleveland, I chose the Detroit freaking Lions. Good, good call on my part. Terrific. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I am the complete factory of sadness. But, um, I, I, you know, I got involved in, in doing some other things like writing here and there. I wrote like freelance work. I did, I did a couple of things for, for the old Pro Football Weekly. I did a couple of things for some other websites that then aren't there anymore. And then uh, I'm trying to think it was 2000. Yeah, the 2011 draft. Um, I hooked up with James Christensen, uh, Mr. New England Patriots draft. And he let me start Detroit Lions draft. Uh, and that went very, very well. Um, I was fortunate that I, I latched on to Darren Page, who at that time I think had 30 Twitter followers. 
and he like found me and I found him and I liked what he was doing. And I'm like, wow, this, this, this kid needs a voice too. And we built it into something that was really, really cool. And uh, we, we got a lot of readership out of it. Um, it got me credentialed for the Lions, which was nice because that was something that, you know, writing for a basketball site, you don't necessarily get football credentials. And that was kind of an in, and we had a lot of fun with that. And from there, you know, I, I did Bleacher Report for a while. I think every writer goes through their, their year, year and a half of Bleacher Report. Um, I don't have any negative things to say about them. It, it, it was a good experience. It taught me a lot as a writer. Uh, it taught me to be more concise and more organized, which was something that I definitely needed. So uh, I, I thank them for that uh, and for that opportunity. And, you know, Sideline Report now is is part of the fan side of the network. They kind of found me and, you know, I've been here and there and everywhere with Draft Breakdown. Um, you know, Brian Perez, who's the the leader there, uh, sought me out and was like, dude, you got to write for me. You got to write for me. So, it, it, you know, I, I wear way too many hats. I'm always looking to consolidate hats. So if anybody out there has a job, I need, I need one hat <laughs> because yeah. uh, that, that's one of the frustrating things about being in our industry is you have to like piecemeal things together. Uh, and it's hard to make a, a steady, decent living, you know, writing when you have 11 W2s at the end of the year. Yeah, that that's for sure. Um, I, I don't envy that, but like, is it, is it hard as a, as a content cr- creator to, to juggle all of that, you know, between, cause I can't even really imagine like, this year was probably the only year that I was doing draft work like during the season, but I was doing mm-hmm. it behind the scenes. Like nobody was, it was waiting to debut like the reception perception after the season. But is it, is it hard to juggle like dr- doing draft prospects and doing the lions and all that together? Yeah, it is. Um, Sundays in the fall are a real trip because I'm usually watching college football until about one in the morning. Uh, and I, I try to get as much draft stuff done as I can. And then I have to switch to being Lions guy. But I also I write in a general NFL column every Sunday night for Real GM during the season. So it's, you know, I, I, it's changing gears. I, I learned to compartmentalize my thoughts um, and, and, you know, OK, right now I'm wearing my draft hat. Now I'm wearing my Lions hat. And, and I it's hard at times, but I, I, it, once you figure it out and get a rhythm, it, it's, it gets manageable. Like, like today, um, this morning I got up at, at five 30 and, uh, wrote a thing for a sideline report, put something up there. Uh, and then it was time to do some more draft stuff. Um, so I watched the end of the temple Memphis game because I'd only seen half of it. Uh, and it turned out being a waste of my time because I didn't learn anything new from it. <laughs> Um, and that was my draft time. And then I went in, I did the radio for three hours today. Most of that was talking about the lions. Um, and you know, that, that was the lion's hat. And now I'm back here and it's like, well, I'm wearing all my hats again, but it, it, you know, I kind of organized my day out and, you know, try to organize the thoughts. I'm always carrying around. Um, thank God for the, I I have the galaxy note cheap plug. The, The note function on here saves my life because I'll get a great idea when I'm doing one thing for something else. And I'll write it down. And, and instead of like having 10 unfinished product projects, I'll be able to finish one and go right into the next one um, with, with you know, like a, a little break. I'll go to the gym and shoot baskets or play with my kids or something, pet my cat for a little while just to, to break it up. And, and you know, it, it takes a lot of discipline and that's not something that I've always been good with, but uh, you, you have to learn to do it. Yeah, that's for sure. And you kind of mentioned too, like the, the real life stuff. Cause it's all, I would, how I was, cause we, you know, we mentioned, we were talking before we started recording. I was like, yeah, you know, we had to wait for you to put your kids to bed. You're like, and I mentioned that you're, you know, I get that a lot from a lot of the older guys that I, that I do the podcast with or, or even their podcast or whatever. But obviously that's not something that, it, that I juggle. 
But yeah. uh, what's it like to juggle the family? And because I don't know, I, I I always want people. I want I want someone to talk more about that experience, but nobody ever does on this oh, podcast. So well, Jeff, I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> uh, it's fun, uh, and and my my son is ten, my daughter is seven, and my son is loves to help. Um, and I'll go back to uh, the year that Kiko Alonso was coming out. Uh, I was watching Oregon one day, and and he came into the room, um, and he's like. I want to watch with you. I'm still like, okay, watch that guy and tell me what he does on every play. And I, he watched Kiko Alonso and he was actually telling me and like, he, you know, he doesn't know football that much. I think he was like six at the time, but just having him there was like really cool. And he, he takes some interest in it and you know, they're great at, at, at breaking things up. Like the other day I, I was working on a piece and my daughter came up and she's like, let's play war, you know, the card game. I'm like, yeah, let's do that, you know, just to break it up and, and get daddy time. And it, it, it's a way to sort of rest your mind and change the gears. Um, you know, that, that is one of the advantages of, of doing so many different things instead of having, you know, like one steady thing is that I can change the gears. and I can take a little bit of time in between them to, to do dad stuff. And, you know, it, it's great, you know, Saturday mornings in the fall before football starts, my, my daughter usually has soccer or my son will have basketball. And I love that. It's a great way to just you know, relax and clear your mind. And then, then you can get back into it and, and you're ready to go. And kids are wonderful for that. Yeah. It's actually funny because I feel like Josh Norris and I had kind of something of a similar conversation to, to this point here, like, because the, 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 the problem with our business and like covering football is that you really never off the clock. Like Ooh. there's always something <laughs> like whether you have an assignment due or not, that's like kind of irrelevant too. Cause you can always be watching more tape. You could always be looking through more stats. There's always more you can do. So it's hard to kind of know when to quit. Like Josh and I were talking about it from like a dating perspective, but from a family perspective, it's they kind of give you that outlet, you know, like, like your kids literally come up and say like, Hey, do this with me and take a break. And I think that's, that's important for your mind too. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's, it's great because it, it makes you realize like how much, precious time you're getting with your kids too. It's like, my God, I haven't, you know, like my kids get home from school at four every day and that's a nice little break for me. Well, there's some times where I'm like in something and I'm, I'm, I'm grooving and I'm, I got to finish this and I'll look up and it's like six 30 and I haven't interacted with them in a while. And I feel terrible about that. It's like, Oh my God, you know, mm. as much as I wanted to get this done, I am dad first. That's my primary job. You know, my wife works, she makes, she makes a good living so I can do this. Uh, and, and is very supportive of that. And, you know, so I, I have to be aware that, you know, I am dad too. I do have to cook dinner. You know, I have to help them with their homework and, and, you know, make sure that they're getting the practices or whatever. And, you know, it, it, it it's, it's very grounding and it's very, I don't know, it's, it's like reassuring. Like, like if I'm having a bad day or I'm struggling with something, it's great to have somebody that comes in that, that just loves you and wants to be with you. Uh, it, it, it makes every day awesome. It really does. Yeah, that that sounds pretty cool. Um, definitely a, a feeling that we could all use every now and again. Um, Jeff, you, mentioning kind of like your story a little bit here, your 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 career. Um, where do you <laughs> where do you see like what's your end game? You know, like what where do you see this going for you, or is is this the end game where you're at now? Uh, that's a good question, and my wife would really like to know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell her to subscribe to the podcast. Yeah, um, uh, I, I would love to do like writing on a bigger stage. I, I want to write. That's that's my ultimate goal. That's what I've always wanted to do. I, and I, as as I said 
like back when I was selling myself to real GM to pay me, I'm like, I'm a writer. I just happen to choose football or sports as my medium. Totally um, agree with that. Yeah. And, and I, I hope that shows in my work that I, you know, I, I, I take very much, I take a lot of pride in, in, you know, being a better writer than most people out there, not to be all, you know, arrogant or anything, but I, I, I know I'm good at it. And, and I, I would like for more people to get access to that, whether it's writing about football or, you know, like some of my other passions, I, I'm a big weather junkie. I actually went to college to be a TV weatherman. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and what's weird is uh, my, my roommate uh, actually became a TV weatherman and he wanted to be a, a sportscaster. So it's like, we, uh, we totally flipped Switch roles. brains there a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I I would love to be writing. Uh, I'd love to write a book. Uh, I've got two of them that are cooking in my head. One of them is like halfway done, down on paper, um, just to be able to support myself fully as a writer without having to like, you know, wear a lot of hats Yeah, <laughs> would be nice. You know, it's, it's um, it, and I, I don't know if you know, I, I had heart surgery a year ago and that really like refocused me on like being career and goal oriented because like I've, I've never been a goal guy. It's like, okay, I'll like, if I accomplish something, I would, I would be done with it. Like if I ever get a hole in one on the golf course, that's the last hole I'm ever playing of golf because I've done the best thing I can ever do. And, and that's the way I've always approached it. And, and, you know, when you're laid up, you see things a little bit differently. And, and it gave me a lot of perspective. I'm like, well, God, I'm in my forties, you know, I should probably get a real career going out of this. So it's been more focused in the last year and I think it's going pretty well. Um, it could go better, but it's, it, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I, I remember that, uh, that you had that last, like last year and everything. Um, yeah. other than goals, did it change your perspective in any other way? Cause that's another thing I can't really speak. I can't really speak to. Yeah. Uh, it, it definitely makes you realize like, well, first off, it, it makes me realize how many people out there are, are really, really sick. Like I was in, I was, I went to the Cleveland clinic and I had uh, aortic valve replacement surgery. I have a cow valve in my heart. Uh, it moves every now and then. Um, it, it was it's congenital birth defect. I didn't have a heart attack or anything. I was in great shape. And one of the things that it made me realize was that there's a lot of people out there who have a lot of things that you can't necessarily see wrong with them. Um, and, and like, if you looked at me, um, I played basketball up until two weeks before I, I had the surgery done. You know, I, I, I knew that I had to get it done. I'd known for some time, but it, it never really affected me in life. And so now when I see people that, you know, they're parking in the handicap spot and they don't have anything visible wrong with them, I, I'm a little bit more aware and sensitive to, you know, okay, something might be there that we just don't know about. And I try to be less judgmental and, and more, I don't know, more accepting of life as it comes to me because, uh, it, you know, I, I was in great hands, but there was, a, you know, there is a chance that you could die on the surgery table. And that, you know, that when you're faced with that, it, it, it gets real, man. It really does. Yeah, I can't even imagine. It definitely probably puts a lot of things into focus. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, it, it made me appreciate my time with my kids and, and my time with my parents a lot um, because they, you know, they were there and, and supportive for me. And they're getting older. I'm not going to have them around forever. And I think it, it, you know, just seeing like some of the other people that, that I was in the hospital with, I know that they're not going to come out of it the way I did. You know, I'm, most of the time, I don't even know that I had it done anymore, um, other than the fact that they like, if I'm sprinting, I can't like breathe fully in anymore. I lost like 10% of my lung capacity and I can't bench press anymore, which was 
I'm a big loss. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, gee, I miss bench pressing so much. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it, it, it definitely makes you more aware of like, and, and one other thing it did, it made me a lot more aware of what I'm putting into my body um, as I drink another beer. <laughs> uh, well, hey, as somebody, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in there. As somebody that is uh, like, you know, super, I've mentioned this on a few past episodes, like with weight loss and everything, super conscious about what I'm eating, what I'm drinking, as far as like I don't drink any soda or anything. I really wish I could Good quit you. coffee. I really wish I could quit coffee creamer too, but um, I'm a little bit too much of a Nancy. I can't drink uh, black coffee at, at this point, I guess. But um, oh man, if it's not black, it's not coffee. I know, I know. I get this all the time. I it's 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 a thing. I'm I'm trying. All right. Well, at least I'm thinking about trying. But my point is, as conscious as I am about everything I eat, I can't bring beer into the equation. That's like I I, I gotta I gotta I gotta keep that from me. I can't. Yeah. That's that beer doesn't beer. count. They're, uh, they're my weaknesses. They're, um, they're never going away. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, I say I don't drink any soda because it's like if I'm going to drink something that's that terrible. And frankly, I think drinking soda is worse for you than drinking a beer. But like, I agree. It 100% is. And, but at least, listen, if I'm going to drink something that maybe I shouldn't drink, I at least better feel something out of it other than my teeth rotting. Uh, so as, yeah, as Jeff takes another drink, there's cheers to that. Um, but <laughs> uh, something you mentioned earlier, Jeff, about being a good writer. Um, do you like? I know this sounds stupid uh, as just a, as a base level question, but because you hear some people say like it's not important in this industry to succeed, you don't have to be a good writer. Do you think it is? Do you think it is important? And and how? It, why is it important? And how important is it? Yeah, uh, being able to communicate um, your ideas is critical. And there's a lot of people that I think have good ideas. Um, and I've learned this being an editor for the last few years. There's a lot of people out there that really don't know how to write. Uh, and they'll have good ideas, but they, they can't express it in a way that that shows that they're intelligent about football or that they have an idea that they can roll with. Um, and, and it's hard to, like, like I, I enjoy presenting the things in different ways. Um, if I just wrote like standard scouting reports all the time, I'd, I'd bash my head into a microwave. Uh, it, it's boring. Uh, I hate the dry writing like that. I understand that it has to be done, but if you ever look at an NFL scouting report, they're going to litter it with some, some interesting things. Uh, and I try to do that. And, and you have to be cognizant of your audience. What is your audience? And my audience, and I found this, and you've talked with other people about, you know, finding your lane and everything. Mine is I, I'm, I love being able to present things to people in ways that they wouldn't have otherwise seen it. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's, if you can't write and do that, that's, you know, I, you're not going to be on podcasts all the time. You know, people are going to read on the internet you know, when you're, when you're whatever. And, you know, it, there is still a, a, a huge market for being able to, to print things and read things and, and present things in ways that people haven't seen or, you know, you know, like, like, like the, the, the article you talked about Laquan Treadwell and Chipotle, if I had to write a thing about, you know, why I wasn't a big fan of Laquan Treadwell, you know, people would be like, ah, I compare it to Chipotle and why I don't really like Chipotle all that much either. It's like, oh yeah, now I, now I understand what he's saying. And, and I think there's a lot of people that, that have creative ideas like that, but they don't necessarily get it from point A to a finished product. Um, and so I do think writing is a very critical skill. Uh, and there's a lot of people out there who, who have very good scouting eyes, but because they can't communicate their ideas and conclusions very well, they sort of get lost in the shuffle. And that, 
know, that, that's disappointing. And I, I had a guy, um, I'll give him a plug, Paulo Fagari came to me uh, for, uh, for uh, Detroit Lions draft. And last year I did that. And when he first started, his writing skills were really rudimentary. Uh, and he asked me for help and, and, you know, I did, and he was a very willing student at it. And that he, he started to get creative with things and he started to present things and other than just saying, you know, like hands are good, feet are good, route running's good. You know, he, he learned like how to, to spice it up a little bit. And now he's got a decent audience and he's, he's doing well for himself. And, you know, it makes his evaluations look that much sharper and, and smarter. And, you know, I'm proud of him for that. You know, I, I love seeing guys like that succeed because, you know, they got better as a writer. Uh, and, and if I can facilitate that as an editor in the process, you know, I love that because, uh, you know, I enjoy writing. I, I even like before I did football stuff and, and when I was, you know, in other carnations of my life, you know, doing things before I, I was a writer, I always wrote anyways. And so it was just natural for me. And it's hard for me sometimes to understand that people don't like it because I, I don't get that. Like my wife, she, she's an engineer. She doesn't like to write. And I, 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 I can't fathom that. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I feel I feel the same way. Like if I wasn't writing, like I just have I'm a writer that happens to write about football. But yeah. Like if there were, if football was like, well, football if football was to end tomorrow, there was going to be no more football played ever. I would write about something else. You know. Yeah, but, I, I would too. I'd, I'd write about weather or politics or music. I I I spice in some music reviews. Uh, if you read my writing, you know I'm a huge music fan, and and like like. Prince died today and and we talk on the air a little bit on the radio about it but I'm, I'm like compelled like I got ideas on my head that I need to write down about Prince and and how he impacted me and nobody's ever going to read it but it, it makes me feel good to do it to just, just get it out yeah that's that's for sure and it, you're right like some of the stuff you write like I just like we mentioned the Treadwell and Chipotle the McDaniel and Journey but like I'm looking at some of your other draft breakdowns uh, articles right now you got like Kalen Reed and Lost Socks yeah. Reggie Raglan and the decline of hair metal Ezekiel Elliott and the Twinkie like you know frankly Jeff like if if you're not a good writer and you try to approach subjects like that that could end in a complete disaster like it could <laughs> yes so i i mean I, I agree i i asked the question with a with a an agenda there that like yeah i think i think it is hugely important to be a good writer uh if you're going to to pursue this if you're going to pursue a, a career as a writer like yeah you need to be good you need to be good at it because you're not just like writing out of happenstance like that's your job right you're not writing technical reports here you're writing things to an audience of people that want to digest things and and while it's great you know like the, all the metrics guys are really good at, at doing the numbers and and some of the guys are also really good at, at communicating those into how they are but like like some of the things that i look at like the spark thing I'm, I'm sort of lost on that i'm not a big math guy i'm not a numbers guy i understand the concepts behind it but how they how they're comparing it and like doing the spider graphs and all that, you know, that's you know, I haven't taken a math class since 1988. You know, graphs that was never my thing. Uh, so if they can explain it, you know, in in ways that that an idiot like me can figure it out, that's awesome. And some guys can do that, and some guys can't. And I think that's why you see the division between people who are doing really well and people who are doing it will be stuck with 150 Twitter followers and, you know, never get paid to do what they do. Yeah, actually, I think that's a really, if that's something I've never thought about, but like if you're, if your goal is, is to work it with analytics and metrics, like I think it's almost even more important for you to be a good writer because like there are some metric columns that I read that are actually like, you know, the idea, the metric is, is really interesting. And like, 
it should be helpful, but but the way the writers present it, it's just like I don't, I don't care. Like I I get lost easily if if it's a bad metric writer because it, you know you're just telling me like wow this is really impressive and it's like I, you got to paint it in a better way than that. Definitely, and 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 I have a and most people do. They have a very low threshold and tolerance for that. If they don't get it right away, they're gonna be like, oh, I'm moving on. You know, this I don't know what this guy's talking about. I'm let me read somebody else. And uh, I, I never want that to be me. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I mean, it just it's and especially like you mentioned with numbers too. Like I feel that way about like reception perception. Like the onus is on me to explain what this all means even more because it's a lot of numbers. People don't like numbers. <laughs> I mean, some people do. Like there's definitely a demand for like, okay, this guy's good. Tell me how like quanti- quantify how good he is at doing right. this. Yeah. That's what I think. You know, that's why I'm patting myself on the back here, but that's what I think reception perception does well. But it's important for me to explain that, you know, for the writing to be good too. And I think that's the thing with like any analytics writer. I've never really said that, but I, but I think that that's really important. So thank you for bringing that thought into my head there, Jeff. I'm here for you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you are here for me because uh, this is, this is my show, but no, um, yeah. <laughs> Jeff, it's funny you mentioned like, you know, you're a big music fan and everything like that because you're definitely somebody that uh, I feel like clues people in on what else is going on in their life and, and, and their other interests. Um, and and I'm, I'm that way too. And I, we've talked a little bit about that on the, on the show. Is that, why is that important for an analyst to kind of go beyond just the football robot? Oh, you, you have to make the personal connection. If people feel like they know you a little bit, they'll, they'll get like – like if I drop a Coheed and Cambria reference in one of my pieces, you know, it might go over 95% of the people's heads, but for the people that are into that and they see that, they're going to be like, that's my dude. You know, that, that guy's writing to me. And, and, you know, if they, if they know you, it, it feels like they're almost more obligated to come back to you uh, and respect you a little bit more than if you're, you know, this like, like a robot, you know, you got to have some personality with it. Uh, if you don't have that in your writing or, or in the way you present yourself in social media, then you're going to fade away. You know, I, I, as much as, you know, every, it pains me every time, like, like I'll go to a concert. Uh, I went and saw slash last year and I, I live tweeted a little bit from it and I lost like 50 followers and I'm like, really, you're that shallow that you can't deal with, you know, what I like. And, uh, and that was actually sort of an epiphany for me. I'm like, I don't really care this I'm going to do what I want to do. And if people are into that, that's great. And if they're not that, you know, so be it. And it, it turns out that people kind of want that, <laughs> you know, they, they want to, they want to know a little bit more about me. They, they want to know like, you know, okay, wh- what do you think of this latest album? Or, you know, what are you listening to? You know, like, or if the woman in front of me at the store is buying like three bottles of gin and a, and a, a I don't know, a toilet brush, you know, that's interesting <laughs> to me. So I'm going to share that with people and people will, will riff on that. And you know, I enjoy that. Or if I, if I'm, you know, out in mobile and I see a, an NFL head coach at two 30 in the morning, leaving a bar with two women, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to tweet that out because that's interesting to me. And I think people oh, yeah. want to hear that. Uh, and I can't say who that is, but uh, there's a few people who saw him do that. And uh, you know, I love doing that stuff. You know, I'm I do it every year at the combine Friday night. I get drunk and tweet and it's awesome. Uh, I get such a good response from that because, you know, I'll, 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 I'll review the latest Iron Maiden album. I'll talk about the beers that I'm drinking. I'll talk about what, what the cover band is playing. You know, Oh, the guy really killed that Toto song. 
you know, I bless the rings down in Africa. Yeah, I felt it, man. Um, I, I love doing that. You know, I'll, I'll talk, is the bartender good looking? You know, are, are the Pacers winning on TV? Just random stuff. Um, I can be a little bit of a, an unorganized scatterbrain at times. And sometimes that works to my advantage because it'll be, it'll, the randomness will draw people in. Um, and I used to kind of like be weary of that. Now I embrace it. If you don't, if you're not down with it, that's cool. That's all right. I'm, I'm not your guy. That That's fine. But there's a lot of people out there that I've found that, that want to know you more than just what you're doing. Yeah, I dig, I dig the, the Ridson, uh, drunk rants. I always, when I see like a few of them fired off, I'm like, all right. So it's, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll, I'll keep the app open and go crack a beer myself. And yeah, like I said, I've, I've, you're one of the people that I, like I can tell from the way, you know, you tweet it, like, I, mean, I, really, I think I, I think I dig sitting and drinking a beer with, with Ridson. That would I, be you, know, you gotta have fun with it. You know, it's, it's, if you're not having fun with it, like, like even when I'm battling with people on Twitter, when they're, you know, calling me an idiot or something, if I'm responding to you, like 99% of the time, I have a smile on my face because it's fun for me. If it ceases right. being fun, I'm going to cease doing it. Uh, and, and thus far, you know, I've been doing this a whole long time. Uh, I'm still enjoying it. You know, I, I taught for one year and I was terrible at it and I hated it. Uh, and I knew that it was time to go and it wasn't fun. So I moved on. Uh, and, I, and I think people, I was fortunate that I had the ability to do that. And I understand that some people can't, but man, if you're, if it's really killing you, you, you you've got to at least try to find something else that you enjoy. Um, even if it's like, if, if it's not just work, if it's like, okay, well, I need to find a, a vocation to, to help me blow off what I'm doing at work. And I'm, I don't really have anything now other than, you know, like I'm sitting in front of my Xbox or whatever, you know, go do something else. Try kayaking, try running, you know, try weightlifting, try, or, I don't know, growing a bonsai tree or something like that. Just just find something that you're good at and that you enjoy and, and pour yourself into that. And there other people will follow, you know, that like we have the, we have a community garden here and it's like, I'm, I'm not a garden guy, but like my daughter's into it and she sees that and she goes with that. And now, now some, one of our neighbors, one of our good friends has chickens. And now my daughter's learning about chickens and I'm like, well, this is really cool, you know? And, if, if you don't find those things and find things that interest you and explore them, you're just, you're just an empty soul and, and nobody wants to be that. I'm glad to hear that your daughter is a member of uh, hashtag plant Twitter too. Yes, nice. she is. Yes, as, she as, is. <laughs> as as many people, man, you can learn so much from. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I bet. Yeah. Now oh, this is actually a really funny story that just kind of along that line, my cousin texted me today and his daughter asked him, uh, you know, cousin Matt, um, is he as, you know, he comes and visits us. Is is he a kid or is he an adult? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, like, I figured I would ask you to give the answer. And I told her, I told her that uh, I was an adult with air quotes that I'm not an adult yet, but I'm certainly not a kid. So I'm just an adult with the air quotes i said make sure that is very explicit uh but yeah you're right kids just like they just say stuff and it's just like how did how did they come up with that i don't know it's fun you stuff. never know what's coming out of their mouth and that's part of the joys of, of fatherhood <laughs> yeah. when, when you get to that point you'll you'll uh you'll enjoy it because it's it, it, it's a non-stop adventure Oh God, that sounds terrifying. So change of subject. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jeff, you mentioned you've been around for a long time and especially, uh, you, you know, you were in the message board culture um, prior yes. to social media, which I obviously that's kind of a little bit before me, but um, what, 
how do you think social media has changed the way the business goes, um, positively or negatively? I, I think it does both. I think it, it opens up the process to a lot more ideas. And I think there's a lot more people that have ideas and they can have a forum to share them. And you, you, the, the hardest thing for me is picking and choosing who I want to listen to and who I should be listening to uh, because there's so many voices out there and, and so many good ones get drowned out because there's so many people that are tweeting that Jeff Driscoll is better than Connor Cook. Uh, <laughs> you have to avoid the nonsense and the filters. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people will, will try to say things like that to get attention. Uh, and that's a definite downside of things. And, and you know, people will, I don't know, for whatever reason, they, they like to latch on to the negative and they like to bring people down. And it seems like there's a lot more of that now. There's a, a culture of negativity. Like they'll, they'll, I, I'm fortunate I've never really been on the, the business end of that, but a lot of people that I know and love have been. And it's hard to see like the irrational hate uh, and it bleeds over into obviously not just sports, but you know, in, in we're living in an election year where everybody hates everybody and, and everything is awful. Um, no matter what you believe in, you're wrong, uh, unless you're with people who absolutely think you're 100% right. And that, I, I, I don't understand that. And I think social media is responsible for that. And you get that a lot in, in what we do as well. Uh, and it's, it's very difficult to digest. And I think it fest festers the negativity so much. It, it, it's so easy to find somebody else who will join you in your hate and your, your hateful, spiteful quest to bring somebody down. Uh, and that, that's not the way I want to live. That's not the country I want to live in. And I, I hope most people are like that. And I, I hopefully that phenomenon sort of goes away. But uh, yeah, man, it, there, it, it goes both ways. There's good and bad out there. Yeah, that's for sure. What are, I guess you mentioned hateful things, and I always joke that um, draft Twitter like has to have its like come to Jesus moment at least like <laughs> quarterly. Yes. Uh, I remember most recently that it was it was happening at some point during the season, and Gelhart, uh, my roommate and uh, NFL media colleague, he he, met, he like I and me was like, dude, what's going on on draft Twitter right now? I was like, oh, this is just their like quarterly come to Jesus moment. It, it'll pass. But like, you know, it gets, like you mentioned, gets kind of brought up on that negativity, like kind of a go on on that a little bit. Like what are some things you see that you, you don't really like? Like, um, like if you disagree with somebody, their opinion, they're obviously wrong. And not only are they wrong, but they have an agenda. Uh, and, and my agenda will be to prove you wrong. Uh, I don't get that. I don't, if you disagree, and, and maybe, and, and here's my, my one bit of advice to, to veer off a little bit for young writers, for the love of God, take speech and debate in, in school. Learn to debate, learn to make an argument, learn to present a rational argument, learn to empathize with the other side and what they're seeing, and try to understand their point of view. Um, that, that makes things so much easier in life. And there's so many people that ignore that. Uh, and instead they just go on attack. And, and if you disagree with them, they're either going to flame back at you or, or they'll just block you and not try to deal with you anymore. And that's like, I'm blocked by people that I didn't even know existed. And I don't, I don't understand that concept at all. Um, mm -hmm. Being afraid of, of opposite ideas of yours. And, and, you know, we, we're going through this in, in politics. We're going through this as a nation in so many different areas and it, it's hurtful and it's wrong and it makes us weaker. And, you know, if you open your eyes and see other things, you know, like, like the whole, to go a little bit off course, my best friend in high school was from Iran. 
Uh, he was an Iranian immigrant. I got in with his family. I worked at their family restaurant and I got to meet all these Iranian people and they were great people. They were the best thing about them. They were normal people. I learned that they were like, just like me. They just spoke really weird um, and they ate weird food at the time. But other than that, they wanted the same things I did. They, they liked the same things I did. You know, they, they want, they just wanted to go about their day the way anybody else would. And, and, you know, they get demonized so much. And, and, you know, if you're, if they look different than you, or if they think different you than you, you're so demonized now. And that's just not the way that I have experienced life. And uh, social media is so easy to get involved in, in that, you know, that one, one track mindset of, you know, you know, the other people have to be wrong because I know I'm right. I, it, it, it's poisonous. And we see that in draft Twitter too, you know, like Teddy Bridgewater was a great example. You either loved Teddy or you thought he was the devil. There was no in between ground. And we get that on so many prospects now. Um, you know, it happens this year with, with Carson Wentz. It's become now where he's either worthy of the number two pick and he's going to be the next Andrew Luck or Aaron Rodgers or both better than both perhaps. Um, or he's, he's an FCS guy that, that, you know, he's the next Brian Brom. He's going to flame out badly. And, you know, why in the world would you ever like him? You know, there, he has so many God awful traits and you're an idiot for liking him. Uh, the in-between ground, which is where I want to be and where I love to be. It, it, it's a very lonely place sometimes. Yeah. Social media definitely does not allow for a lot of nuance. Uh, no, time. it doesn't. And, and that's very unfortunate because and I, I, and maybe this is because I'm older and because I've done other things in life other than, you know, just doing media. Um, you know, I, I've had a myriad of jobs before I got into it and you, you just learn to, to see things differently and, and understand that other people are going to have other opinions and they're not going to be wrong. Sometimes you're going to be the wrong one and you have to find that middle ground to get things done. Uh, and even to just like, like agree on a player, um, you know, come to a middle ground. Okay. Uh, Miles Jack, he's either going to be the God, he's going to be the next Ray Lewis, except he's faster, or he's, he's, or he's, that's, that that's one of my favorites ever. That, that, it's awesome, that isn't it? Or, or he's, he's a lesser Shea McClellan. There's no in-between ground. Well, I kind of think he's going to be good, but there's, I have some questions about it and, and the knee injury doesn't help. But if I say that people are like, Oh, take a stand, man. Come on. Tell me what you think. Well, like, I don't know what to think. You know, I, I can't make that conclusion. And, and it, it's very hard to be in the middle sometimes. I, you know, and I, I'm somewhat of Swiss ethnicity. Uh, and I, I sort of embrace that being sort of a mediator and, and finding, you know, neutrality. Uh, but it, it, it can be very difficult to be there sometimes. Even worse than not taking a stand is taking a stand when you don't actually have a, a, a stand to take. Yes. Like we were talking about earlier, die on your own freaking island. Don't don't go on somebody else's and fight their battles for them. I don't, yeah. I don't understand that guy at all. And there's a lot of that guy out there, especially in the next week or so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The next week will be tough, but we will make it through, I promise. Um, <laughs> Jeff, yes. kind of winding down here. Um just kind of a final thing. Do you have like any prevailing thoughts that you like to would convey to an aspiring writer? Like if somebody was to ask you, Jeff, give me one piece of advice as, a, as an aspiring writer, what would it be? Uh, have a backup plan and learn to debate <laughs> and learn to sell yourself. Don't be, don't be shy about selling what you're good at. Um, that's something that I have not done well as a writer uh, and am striving to do better at because 
if it, it's great if you're a great writer, but if, if you can't find a market and if nobody will, will pay, pay your market for you, you're not going to be successful. You're going to have to have a backup plan. So, you know, have pursue it and be passionate about it, but understand that it's not an easy living. It takes a long, long time to, to get successful, even at a, at a moderate level. And, and people who, who luck into it very early in life, uh, a lot of times they, they wind up, you know, getting exposed with it, you know, that this wasn't necessarily what they were good at. They weren't finished and, and they can't go anywhere from there or they get tired of it. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want that to be people. I want, I want people who enjoy writing to have a passion for it and find your outlet, find your niche, find and, and write, write what you're good at. You know, it, I, I enjoy interlacing my stories with music or pop culture or, you know, Twinkies, <laughs> movies, whatever. Um, it, if you don't do those sorts of things, you're not going to stand out. If you're, if you're just writing analytical numbers, oh, there's a lot of people that are writing analytical numbers out there. You know, set yourself apart, be unique, because uh, that, that's, your, that's your way to get people to follow you. Yeah, that's true. And as somebody that uh, that got into it very quickly and, and got a job very quickly, I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not one of those people that gets exposed. <laughs> but, you, was, but, but you you have a writing background, and it shows. Yeah. It and, was just and, the dog. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that harmony pulled he pulled one over on us. He actually doesn't have any talent. He just has a cute dog. But hopefully, we get some good more years out of him. But uh, <laughs> Jeff, I, I really want to thank you uh, for coming on. You, you conveyed a ton of great stuff here. I always give the guests one last time at the floor before I, I yank it out from under you. So anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, just if you ever want to talk about anything and it doesn't have to be football related, I, I love talking to people on Twitter. I, I, I give people my email if you want to do that. I, there's a lot of people that have my text. Um, if, if you want to talk about like you're going to have heart surgery or you're, you're worried about something like that or, or whatever, I, I, I love mediating other people's problems. It's something that I'm attracted to and good at. Um, I'm a pretty good wingman too. So if you ever need that, you know, <laughs> go with that. Um, Writing down uh, Jeff's number. Yeah. Uh, but, but just, you know, have fun with what you're doing. If you're not having fun with it, find something else that makes it fun for you. Otherwise, why are you doing it? Yeah, I totally agree. I, Absolutely great to have Jeff on tonight. Uh, we've got some great perspective. Those are some uh, fantastic final thoughts. Uh, everybody, you can follow Jeff on, on Twitter at Jeff Ridson, and I will link his uh, his Twitter in the show notes and everything so you can find him. Uh, if you are enjoying the podcast, um, remember you can, as we talked up top, you can rate and review the show on iTunes, and I will be picking one uh, very lucky winner over the next couple weeks uh, to join the Scott Fish Bowl, uh, the giant uh, fantasy football tournament with prizes and just the bragging rights that you can beat a bunch of hack analysts like me. You could literally beat me in this league and then you can brag about it. It's fantastic. So remember, write a good review on iTunes if it's funny, uh, if it references something cool that's like an inside joke with the podcast or me or whatever, you might get picked. But uh, whether you get picked or not, I want to thank you all so much for listening and I hope you learned something today.